You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. This morning, we are kicking off a series entitled All About Selfie. This morning, if you have your Bibles in Genesis chapter 1, is where we're going to take a look today. And I'm serious, take, some, take that selfie, go ahead and, and put it on the, uh, just hashtag uh, my faith selfie, and uh, we'll take a look at that, have some fun with it this morning, and you can get ready for it next week, because every week we're going to, bring your phones, you get a chance, just see who you've been in church with today, and we, we're going to, that, that's our new way of taking attendance, whoever shows up in the selfies, that's how we'll, we'll figure out if, if you're here this morning. This morning we kick off, and for the next three weeks we're going to be looking at this series entitled All About Selfie, and I want to use this culturally popular term to address and to look at ourselves, and not in and without a doubt, even that whole term we realize selfie. It sure sounds and does have a selfish connotation to it. We've become a self-centered people in society, but this morning I want to look not just not not just at the negative of how we become self-centered, because there's without a doubt we have become self-centered, but I want to look at why and what is what has led to that. And this morning, as we kick off this series, looking at, at how we see ourselves, we spend a lot of time living through the perception and not always through reality. We perceive things to be a certain way, and we spend a lot of time trying to cause other people to perceive things a certain way. And it's added to that with, our, uh, with the, uh, uh, the dynamics of being able to take pictures, post pictures, and to show these things. We create a perception, and sometimes we create perception that is not reality. We have the potential of trying to live in a perception and live in a certain, uh, a certain way of seeing things. And this morning as we kick this off, want to look at the reality of the self, of who we are, what God has called us to be. We perceive things a certain way, but we want to be careful this morning that we're not just perceiving through perception, but through reality. I I saw this definition of a selfie, and I thought it was pretty appropriate. Here's what it is. It says, a typical selfie shot from a high angle, exaggerating the size of the eyes and giving the oppression of a slender pointed chin. That's a definition that's given for a selfie. It gives a perception that there's a, the angle and the perception, and it's not always reality. When it comes to the topic of ourself, we've got to be careful that we don't look from the perception or just from feelings, but that we look from the Word of God, from the mouth of the one who created us. What is it that God's Word says about ourself? What is it that God's word speaks about us? It's, it's important today to properly understand the condition of self. If we don't understand the condition of self, we're not able to have a proper, effective relationship with those around us. In order to have that type of relationship, we need to know who we are. You might say, well, this morning, Jason, we don't need to talk about us. We need to just talk about Jesus. And you're absolutely right. That we absolutely, as we, as we relate to Christ, he changes the perception of who we are. But this morning, looking at the reality of who we are and seeing ourselves in the light in which he has created us. How you see yourself affects how you relate to people around you. Stop and think about that. How you see yourself affects how you relate to people around you. How you see yourself affects how you relate to Jesus Christ. 
how you see yourself, the perception of self and, and, and how, we, how we view ourselves. And oftentimes how we view God, we're affected by, by the way we view ourselves is oftentimes affected by how we view God. And this morning I want to look at that perception and look at, at what the reality is of what God's word says in our relationship. This morning the title of our message is, is simply called the self-portrait. As we begin this morning... This term selfie was, uh, of course, came about in, in uh, 2002 as it began in Australia and, and started to pick up, but really became, in 2012, became a phenomenon. It literally was, was a, a, another word added to the Webster Dictionary. It became something of, of our culture that represents our time and society. And looking at this, this, this whole picture of, of this, this effect of, of self and how we, how we feel and how we look and how we address ourselves. This morning, looking at the self-portrait, I was with the uh, preschoolers, Shepherd Hand Preschool. They graduated this, this Friday, and so I was down with them in one of their last classes and, and uh, hanging out with them. I was looking over some of the projects they had done for the year, and one of them stood out to me was the, the projects. It said, my family portrait. In fact, I've got a picture of, of two of them, I believe. I, hopefully, you can see that here. Here is their family portrait. This is what they drew of their family, and this is Kyla. There's there's Kyla and Kinsley, and she drew mommy and daddy. They're not here this morning. They might be in second service, but they'll be excited to see how, how they look. I love the doggy. You see the doggy down here? That doggy, I don't know if you can see him back there, but that doggy has got some ability and energy. I mean, that is, that is uh, the, the perception. We've got another one. You might appreciate this one. Here's the, the next one. Uh, here we've got daddy and mommy, Cage and Mila, and I believe it's Lee. Loco is that the I think it's Loco is in there as well they got the 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 dog in there this is the picture of the family and I want to ask you this morning if you were to draw a picture of yourself how do you see yourself how do you see yourself and and often in relationship to God how is it that we see ourselves I want to look at Genesis chapter 1 together as we talk about the self-portrait but before we do let me take a self I'm just kidding we're not gonna I don't even know how to do that. I'm not even, uh, I'm not even sure. In fact, it's, uh, the, the kids will say, come on, Dad, let's get in. We're taking a group selfie. And it's, it's just a weird thing. I don't like pictures taking. You, know, you, you feel that? I don't like pictures, and I don't like hearing my voice. So that's the, anybody else know what I'm talking about? It's like the, those odd things of, oh, I really sound like that? Oh, I really look like that? Oh, I really, yeah, I need to see someone for help. I know, that's all right. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to take a look this morning. And I want to read these, these a few verses here in Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> but asking ourselves this question, how do we see ourselves? I would say to us this morning that we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. How you see yourself, and we already mentioned that, that the, the perception you have of yourself affects the relationship you have with other people. Whether you see yourself in a high regard or low regard, good or bad, whatever perception, whatever way you see yourself affects your ability to relate to those around you and even your ability to relate to God. And this morning my prayer is that we would be able to, from God's word, have a, a, a refocused perspective and view of what God says about you and I. Here's what he said in Genesis chapter 1. Now we're going to go all the way back uh, into Genesis chapter 1, but looking at verse 26. It says these words, then God said, let us make people. Notice it's the plural. He said, let us. 
The reason it's the plural is because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were in existence from the beginning. The Trinity, God is three in one. We're not going to talk about that this morning, but the Scripture from the very beginning gives evidence that God is in three parts. One God, and uh, we've talked about that before, but the importance of, of Jesus being involved from the very beginning. And here's why that's important. Jesus was not an afterthought. God didn't plan Jesus somewhere along the line and say, oh, i got to find another plan. Jesus was from the very beginning, from the foundation of the world. What he did for us, yes, was the fault of man, but this is the love of God. He created us even knowing that we would fail. And in his love and his mercy, he created also and made a way through his son that there might be redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. He is an architect that planned from the very beginning. We have architects today that put things together and they anticipate. But there's sometimes they have, to, they have to adjust and tweak because they didn't account for this or they didn't realize this or something needs to be put in place. But God from the very beginning had everything in place. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had it all prepared and ready. And he is in all things. He's working on all things and wherever you are today he knew you'd be where you are and you're not at a place where he that he you he never saw you'd get there you might be here today at a broken place he already knew you'd be at that broken place because he already prepared a way for your brokenness to be put back together he's already prepared a way for you and i to be to be put in a place of of redemption to be set free he said let us make man or make people in our image to be like ourselves They will be masters over all life, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the livestock, wild animals, and small animals. So God created people in his own image. I want you to see that this morning, his own image. We're going to talk about what that means, being created in the image of God. Because you may have heard that before. In fact, I was with a gentleman this week who we've been inviting to church and building relationships, sharing Jesus. And he said to me, one of his justifications of, of, of sin. Well, I was created in God's image anyway. And here's an individual who is who's not walking with Jesus yet, but we're praying for and we're, we're building relationship to walk alongside. And he just said that to me this week. I was created in God's image. God knew what he was making. Absolutely. To which I respond, God knew the image that would be marred, but that's why he sent his son so that he could restore the image that sin would, sin would mar. So we need Jesus. We need the hope of Jesus. But what does it mean to be created in the image of God? He patterned them after himself, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and told them, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Or be fruitful and multiply and govern over the earth. Be masters over the fish and birds and all the animals. And God said, look, I have given you the seed-bearing plants throughout the earth. And the fruit trees for your food. And I have given you all the grass and the other planets. Or uh, planets. Plants. Just plants. You don't get to rule over the other plants. Planets. Just the plants. And so it was. God looked over all he had made. And he saw that it was excellent in every way. This all happened on the sixth day. Father, I ask today that you would let us see the excellence of what you have made and what you have done. And Lord, that we would allow your your truth and your word, God, to cause our minds to be in proper order, that we would see according to your word, and God, allow your word to affect us. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.
We went all the way back to the beginning, not starting at day one, but looking at day six. God decided one day that it was enough time of the the chaotic ball existing in darkness and, and emptiness that he decided in the moment that it's time to make an earth and it's time to put man in place and for the plan that he had to come about. And in five days he created everything from light to the sea, to from the ocean to the plants, the animals. But then on the sixth day he created man. On the sixth day he created the most precious piece of his creation. He created like no other, no, no other creation that he had made before. Not like the plants, not like the skies, not like anything. He created man in his own image. He didn't create the, the stars that, that, uh, that, he, that he of course put in place, but he didn't create man to rely on the stars to find truth. He didn't create plants just for man to worship and to bow down and to look at those things around. He didn't just create the water and all the, the things around it for, for it to just provide for us, but God created man to govern and to be in control and to oversee all that God had made. He created man and woman and not like the rest, but he created them in his image. Look at your neighbor and say, you have been created in the image of God. What does that mean, even to be created in the image of God? And this morning, I want to look at that, but look at what it says in verse 26 of what we just read. He says, let's create man in our image. And then right after that, he says, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Notice he says, let us make man in our image. And then he immediately connects to what the purpose of man will be. He says, let us make man in our image and for them to reign over all that I've created. I want you to see the significance of that. And the significance is that God has created you and I to reign and to govern or to rule with him. He has created us in a position of authority. He has put us in a place that we are able to reign. To reign means to govern or to set in order. We're created in in the likeness of God. And because of what that has done, it's put us in a place that we have been created to reign. Now, I want you to see two key components of what it means to be created in the image of God. Here's number one. For us to be made in the image of God is this, that we have the ability to relate with God. Because we have been created with with the sense, and and some of us maybe have been created with more than others, but we've been created with moral sense and the ability to reason. And because of that sense that we've been created with, we have the ability to relate to God or to have communion with God. No other animal, no other creation, or not any other creation in the world has the ability of what God has created. No other piece of God's creation can relate to him. I want you to recognize this this morning, that when God created man, he created man not to evolve. He created man perfect in his creation. Man did not evolve, man regressed. I want you to understand that today. Man, man was created with all wisdom, with all knowledge, with, with, perfect, with, with perfect ability. We are not a people who have evolved. We are not a people of evolution. We are a people, unfortunately, of regression. But by the grace of God, he has restored. And we are people that because of God, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, we're on an upswing and God is restoring us to that place of perfection where the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. No one can even comprehend. But there will be a day that God restores that and we will be completely restored to where God has called us to be. He created Adam with that purpose, with that ability. 
But because of sin, there was a downward spiral. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, it began an uproad. It began a swing and a shift to bring us back to the place of being with Christ. We have been created in the image of God, giving us the ability to relate to God. I want you to know this morning, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be eloquent in prayer. You don't have to have the ability to read the Bible and understand it at every every jot and tittle. You just need to know that he hears you when you cry out to God. If you call on the name of the Lord, he is there. You don't need someone to pray for you. You just call on the name of Jesus. He has created you with that ability to call upon his name you have the power and the ability to connect and to to commune with God that is what makes the power the 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 restoration of us knowing who we really are the way I really grow in my in my confidence not in myself but there is a a reality that we do need not self-confidence but we need confidence that comes from God that causes us to be people who are able to be strong in who we are There's an insecurity that is robbing the peace of minds in the world today. We have become a people of insecurity, a people of trying to to match standards, to appease people, and trying trying to earn and win, and and this insecurity and this weight of never measuring up. Every single one of us would stand in the line of feeling like we're not good enough. There might be some that come in the line, they say, I got this all figured out. I'm, I'm the world's greatest gift. I've got everything to offer. But most of us would stand in the line that says, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the ability. But God has created you with the ability to commune and to connect with God. And as you connect with God, that causes us to see ourselves in a proper light. If you're spending time apart from God, and you're not spending time in communion, and when I say communion, I don't mean just just the the elements of communion. We celebrate that. That's That's a tangible part of coming to a place of remembrance. But I mean in a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not communing with God on a daily part and a daily time, then your perception of who you really are is going to be skewed. The perception of who you are in Christ is not going to line up with reality. You're going to live in a skewed perception and you're going to miss what God has truly said about you and I. We are a people who have been created with the ability to relate with God. Here's another thing. The second part of that is that we've been created with the authority to represent God or to rule with God. We've been created with the authority to represent God. We are God's representatives. You understand that in our in our in our government structure that we send individuals who we vote for and they become representatives of our land and of our of our area and they become those who represent us in decision making. In Egyptian in in Egypt's uh, uh, time of reign that the as they were taking ground and taking land the king of Egypt would set up statues of himself and they became representations of his rule. And what it was meant to do was to remind those who would see the statue that you are ruled and governed by the king. That the king might not be here. He might be in the place where where he's reigning in his palace. But his rule is in all these areas. And those became idols that they would worship. And he would set up images of himself. Can I tell you, God did that before any earthly king did that on this earth. He created us in his likeness. Not to be idols. Not to be lifeless. But in his image. To have his breath. His life. His action. In him we live. We breathe. We move. We have our being. He created you and I in his image to rule in this world to remind this earth that it belongs to the Lord. To remind this world that the Lord is our victor. To remind and to be a representation of God in the world that we live in. We are his representatives. We have been called to rule and to reign with Christ. 
We're the people who reign with him. It's interesting, and sometimes this might be a perspective that we have. We can sometimes think God created us so that he can rule over us. If you have thought, maybe by just perception, and most of the time it's just by perception, and you may have had this perception of God that he created you to rule over you. God never created you, to, created you and I so that he could rule over us. He created you and I so that we might rule with him. There's a difference between doing something for and something with. God has not called us to do something for him. He called us to do something with him. He didn't say we are his, we are his slaves. He called us friends. We are called to do things with God. I want you to know the power of that changes. That when I go from doing something for you to I go to doing something with you, how many know it causes that relationship? to be in a whole different light that we live in a place that we are doing this together can I tell you that's the image of marriage of what God has designed marriage to be that image of a relationship with God here's why because Adam the son Adam needed Eve to be his mate to help do the work that God called him to do and in the same way the son Jesus needs the bride of the church to do the work that he's called it to do we are joined together with Christ and we are called to be his representatives and to rule with him I want you to know that when you quit seeing God as a rule master and start seeing him as the one who is for you and not against you the one who is looking out for you not the one who's looking to say you've missed the boat you've missed the line but the one who says I am with you I'm able to to work in you when you know that he is for us we want to be for him but listen to what he says he says i am for you not against you that we have been called to rule and to reign with god we're not created to be ruled over but to rule with we don't do things with or for god we do things with god he has chosen us today you know it changes our perspective whenever we see what God has called us to be. It changes our perspective when we see. Can I tell you a key that will help in your marriage? When you recognize that God did not call a husband and wife to just serve and work for each other. God called a husband and wife that they might learn the intimacy and the love that God has for his church. That we would die to ourselves to no longer let it be for one another. But we die to ourselves so that we might work with one another. That we might together accomplish the work and the purpose of what God has done. There's become a danger to where we have empowered individuals. I believe that we have missed the mark in our history. There's times between racism, between discrimination. We have missed marks in our history. And even, even in the gender, we have missed marks where we have, we have, uh, uh, we have uh, put down the role of women. But I believe we've got to be careful that we have not maybe made too much of a shift. To where we once as a, as a culture and a generation put down the role of women. That my concern and danger is that we can go to the other side. To where now we elevate women above men. And we forget that they are equal. God created man and woman together. And we've got to be careful that we don't bow to the place of serving. Yes, we serve one another, but we are joined together to work with one another. We are not in opposition. We are joined together. When you see a marriage or relationship as opposition, when it becomes, well, we got to, we, we got to serve sides here. This isn't serve, serving sides. The two have been made one through Jesus Christ that we've been called to work together, that we are equal together. Yes, but God has also set up the, the 
Bible tells us clearly that the Bible says that man is to rule not in a way of, of having dominion, but in a way of giving preferential treatment, of overlooking and seeing and caring for. That God has put a proper order, and the danger is that we can get out of order sometimes and miss what it really means to have the fulfillment of what God has called our lives to be accomplished with. To see what God has, has called us to do. To see that we are working together. Can I tell you, in order to work together, it takes a daily act of dying to myself. How many know what Jesus has called me to do? In order for me to work with my wife and my wife to work with me, there is a dying to ourselves that we have to do to surrender ourselves to say this isn't about us. This is about what God has called us together to do. He's created us as one. And so now we are working together. It's what we're accomplishing together. It changes a relationship when it's no longer I'm doing this for them, but I'm doing this with them. You take that to every aspect of your marriage. I know we're not talking about marriage today, but it's the, it's the image, it's the picture, it's the snapshot of what the relationship that God designed for there to be between Christ and his church. That we are the bride of Christ, that we have been joined and working together with God, through Jesus Christ, that we work with, it changes our perspective. When I realize that we're in this together. Do you know how most relationships are developed, or not just developed, but how they're strengthened? Most relationships are strengthened, and see if you can know that this is true. Most relationships are strengthened when they've gone through difficult times and they've worked together to make it through those difficult times. There's something about working together Someone said one time uh, his relationship with his dad had been affected because of what he did with his dad. That he would work with his dad. And the importance of doing things together was that in doing things together, it bonded and it brought a relationship. When we recognize that we've been brought together to do things with Christ, I want you to see your workplace. God has called you to the place that you are so that he might work with you and you might work with him to accomplish the things that need to happen in that place where you are. God is not calling you to do things for him. He wants us to do things with him. He empowers and enables us. And he says to Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful and multiply. (coughs) We're not looking for church growth here with the, the, the baby boomer generation. We've had that. If the Lord has still put you in the season of, of uh, expanding and your, your quiver, as the Bible says, is not yet full, then you keep on and keep on keeping on and you fill the earth. You go ahead and, and you make all the, all the babies you want to make. But I want us to look in the, in the aspect, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Let me ask you, in our spiritual lives, in our walk with Christ, are we becoming fruitful? He says to us that we're to be fruitful. He says to Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Reign over the earth. He says reign because I reign over the earth in heaven and now I've given you authority to now reign over my creation. You're my representative. You're representatives. You're those that I've called to a place of leadership. He gave them the task and they're on their way and everything's going great until they meet a snake. You ever come across a snake? Everything's going great and all of a sudden that snake shows up. That snake is just not minding its own business. That snake is waiting for that right time to intersect and come and just come right in front of you. That snake knew where they were going to be at the time they were going to be. That that snake could have hit any other time but that snake waited for that moment. And notice it was the moment when Eve and Adam were separated. Notice it was when she was alone and he was somewhere else. 
Oftentimes, the enemy likes to work in moments where there's separation. The enemy likes to put those things in place where it becomes a difficulty. In those, in those, those moments, the enemy shows up and the snake comes along and he says to, Adam, or to Eve, he says, did God really say you're not supposed to eat of the tree? And she said, oh, we're allowed to eat of any tree, just not this tree in the center, in the middle. We've talked about this before. We missed the perception. The Bible says, if you go back and read it, there were two trees in the center, not one. But Eve seemed to have her eyes fixed on the no tree, the tree you're not supposed to touch. And we, we tend to do that. We turn God into a religion. And we, we, we go after religion, a list of what you're not supposed to do. And she missed, there was a whole other tree there that was the tree also that you were, that, that they could, the tree of life. But in the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But she focused on the one that you're not supposed to touch. Isn't that what we tend to do oftentimes? We focus on the you're not allowed, you're not supposed to. And we tend to turn God into the negative, into the taskmaster. And we miss the relationship he wants for us. She says, she says no, we can eat from any tree, just not this one in the center. And he says, well, that's not true. And here, listen to what he says. Now remember, God created them, how? He created Adam and Eve in his image. Right? He created Adam and Eve in his image to become like God. Here's what Satan says. Oh, that's not true. God just doesn't want you to eat from this tree because if you do, you'll become like him. Notice Eve is now buying a lie to try and find something that God already given her. The enemy says you'll become like God. And how many know that she was already created in the image of God? And because she forgot who she was in God, she pursued something that wasn't a reality. If you forget who you are in God, you'll buy the lie of what the world says you might be and ought to be. And the world says if you do this, you'll become like God. Wait a minute. God already made you like himself in his image. He already created you in the way that he's created you. Don't buy the lie because the moment we buy the lie, here's what the enemy wants to do do the enemy wants to bring you down to his level notice how the world was found from the beginning in the beginning the earth was what empty dark and void chaos covered the earth who reigned in the earth at that time satan because the bible says that, that jesus i saw and jesus says this his words i saw I saw Lucifer, I saw, I saw him fall like lightning. He saw him fall, Lord lightning, that he saw him fall from the sky. He, he saw him fall like lightning. And the place that he went to was to this place called earth. And how many know that because of Satan's rule here in this earth, it was dark, it was empty, and it was chaotic. But the moment God spoke the word, all of a sudden life began to come forth. I want you to know the enemy wants to regress us and take us back to the dark, the empty, and the lonely. God, the enemy comes and he wants to bring us down to his level. Listen, the enemy wants to bring you down to his level, but he has a plan to bring you down. But God already had a plan to lift us up. The enemy had a plan to bring us down to a place of chaos. And I want you to know you will enter the world of dark, empty chaos when you forget who you are in Jesus Christ. When you forget how he he created you. He created you with authority, with the ability to rule. That He created you in His likeness. When you forget who you are in Christ, you'll buy the lie of the enemy and He wants to bring you down to His level. But thank God that He is, Jesus Christ has made a way to bring us to restoration. The moment sin entered the world and Adam and Eve, they, they, they shared together. They partook in that sin together. Eve, of course, introduced it to Adam Here's the, the, the thing that we look at today. The moment sin came into the world, sin caused us to look inward. 
and no longer to set our eyes upward. Sin entered the world and caused us to become selfish people who look inward. And the enemy has done everything he can to let us or to cause us to miss and to not see what it is that Christ has called us to be. The image that we have been made in. Don't forget that you are created in the image of God with the ability to relate to God and the authority to rule with him. Satan had a plan to tear you down, to bring you down to his level. I want you to know this morning, you know this already. The enemy's been doing what he can to bring you down to his level. The enemy's been doing what he can to get you to a place of bringing you down to, to a place of, uh, of his level, a place of emptiness, insecurity, feeling not good enough. And this perspective that God says he has for us, he said, I created you to rule with me. He created us to rule with him. Here's what sin, of course, entered and, and caused this, this, this mess up. But I want you to know Jesus on the cross, he said these words, it is finished. I am waiting to rule with Christ forever in eternity. But at this moment, I currently rule with Christ. Because Jesus said, authority has been given to me And now I send you out as the Father has sent me. I'm sending you. The authority was given to Jesus Christ and he has given the authority to you and I. He's called us to rule and to reign with him. I want you to know why that's so important because it's important to know our relationship with Christ, that we are joined with Christ and we're not beggars at the door saying, oh God, would you please, would you please? He has created us with a confidence that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. How many have met some people that are pretty bold? How many have been around people and you've had conversations you thought, well, that was bold i'm not one of those people i don't tend to be the one that shows up and 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 i can say things pretty bluntly but it's to a certain group of people sometimes you know but there are some people that they can just show up in the room and they don't care what they just said oh it it may have been it it may have been like a, a plate hitting the wall but that they just say it they've got that boldness Now, I believe God wants to give us discernment. We need it. But the church needs to get a backbone of a boldness of standing to say who we are in Christ, that we are created in the image of Christ. And because we're created in the image of Christ, I'm, I'm concerned about what goes on around me, but I'm more concerned about what God is doing inside of me. Because as I allow God to do the work inside of me, every place I go, belongs to the Lord. Every place I am, he reigns. Every place I am, the spirit of the Lord reigns. I can't convince people to come to God. I can only live as a representative of Christ. And as I do that, they look and every place I go, I'm reminding the world, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness of the Lord's. Everything belongs to the Lord. I am of the, of the, the presence of God, the spirit of God. And every place we go, just the blessing of Joshua, that every place your foot, your foot touches, I will give you the Bible, God said to Joshua. I want you to know today that we live in that authority. God has given us Fayette County for his glory. I don't know how, what, all, but I tell you what, as we rise up as his representatives in every place we go, that we become the representatives of Christ in this world. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 15, 15 to 17, he said, I no longer call you slaves. I stopped with that, and you, you may have read this before. Let me, let me give you the whole scripture. He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you. Listen, what did he say? And appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit. Be fruitful and multiply. He's called us, and he's appointed us. 
Now listen, he says, I no longer call you slaves. When did he ever call us slaves? Did he personally ever call us slaves? Did he create us as his slaves? No, he never called us slaves. Here's the difference. What he's saying is, I no longer call you slaves because you used to have the identity of being slaves mastered by sin, but you are no longer mastered by sin. I now call you friends. You're no longer slaves mastered by sin. Your identity is no longer below, but I have brought you above. You're no longer the tail. I've made you the head. You're no longer at the bottom. I've brought your feet on a solid rock. You're no longer in the miry clay being buried. I've brought you to a place of standing, of grace, and of mercy. I no longer call you slaves and the enemy is beating some of us up with the you're not good enough you don't have what it takes you have too many failures and the enemy wants to bring you down to his level but don't forget he has a plan to bring you down but Jesus has a plan to build us up and to lift us up so that we might rule and reign with Christ forever but I'm not waiting to reign I'm waiting to reign in eternity with him but in this place I am right now God has created me to reign. Do you believe that this morning? I want to close with this last scripture as the worship team comes and helps us close this morning. He's created you to reign. What sin and addiction is binding you and calling you an addict? I no longer call you an addict. I call you my friend. I no longer call you, I no longer call you uh, angry. I call you my friend. I no longer call you stained by the guilt of your past. I call you my friend. I no longer call you what you, what you maybe have gone to. And here's Eve. She's in the place. And Eve, when she sees this serpent, how many know that Eve begins to listen to the thing that she was called to rule over? She was given authority over the enemy. She was given authority over everything. She had the authority over that snake. She had the authority, but unfortunately, she began to give attention to what she had authority over, and it became something that caused her perspective to miss, and because she forgot who she was and who she is in Christ. Let me ask you this morning, do you know who you are in Christ? Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.